Frank's Red Hot is the perfect blend of flavor and heat. So you can use an entire bottle to make recipes like buffalo chicken dip or buffalo nachos. Or even things that don't start with buffalo. Frank's Red Hot. I put that on everything. Craig. When they first went to the mountains, they were high off clay day, <laughs> hitting the road, singing the fight song. But they never went in Boulder and Utah right after just ain't fair. They started fast, but that didn't last for long. <laughs> so true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, t- the, the laughing turns to crying, right? Yeah, right. Um, <sighs> so this is podcast versus everyone. Not a, not as jovial, not as no. excited or happy as last week. Um, I'm Craig Powers. Uh, with me is Jeff Newser. Jeff, how are you doing tonight? I'm awesome, dude. Just got done watching. We were talking about this right before we come on. Just got done watching Captain Marvel for the first time one of my favorite marvel movies yeah so like i uh i think i've said this on the show before but we're we're working our way through the the marvel cinematic universe me and my kids and because you know they didn't see a lot of them i didn't watch a lot of them i don't see a lot of them in the theater because my wife doesn't particularly care for them so um and i'm not the type to go just go so uh so we've been catching up and we are now up to captain marvel which means we're getting awfully close to uh to uh, uh infinity war so very excited to finally get to infinity war um for the kids and uh which is it's kind of a heavy one for them but i, th- I think i think they'll be okay so anyway captain marvel was awesome i loved it uh it's like I-, I was telling you had i known it was set in 1995 i would have been all over it in the theater maybe like th- three or four times because it was just like oh yeah back to high school this is totally hilarious reminded me of like my freshman year at wazoo the uh especially like the alta vista search engine yep <sighs> good times right there and then like what is what is it doing what's the computer doing and they're like it's loading <laughs> they're all just sitting there and i'm like i remember what that was like so anyway for the young people in the audience uh this is what it's like to be old so yep it was uh that's a good one it was um, good not a good one. Uh, WSU's trip to the mountains this weekend. I was uh, trying to steer. I was trying to steer us out of that, but, but yeah, there's really uh, no way around that. They went down to Colorado, had a nice hot start, uh, hit a bunch of threes. Um, we're really in that game until about 12 minutes left. Um, then they scored what five points the rest of the way, um, yep. and. Uh, uh, then ended up losing by uh, 20-ish. Um, yeah, what do you think about that one? Uh, man, that was uh, rough. Uh, Pollard went out with an injury. Um, you could point to that. but uh, They were already sliding. They were already slowing though. down at that point. It makes uh, for a convenient narrative point to be right. able to be like, oh, Pollard got hurt and then it all fell apart. It was already falling apart, but it, it definitely hastened the demise for sure. We, we knew coming in Colorado pretty good defense. Um, and that really, they really locked them down. They weren't getting good shots. They weren't taking good shots. Um, it it was, it was just a a rough time in that last 12 minutes. And we've seen it on the road before with this team. Yep. Um, and it, and it just, uh, reared its ugly head again. And once again, they got their butts kicked in what KenPalm.com calls the best home court advantage in the country. Yeah. It's it's so tough for everyone to play there. 
I, you know, I think it was pretty, pretty like awesome. I don't know. Awesome's not the right word. <laughs> like it's, it's not awesome when you lose by, you know, three touchdowns or whatever, but it's like, um, I, th- I think it was positive that they, they hung around as long as they did. They fought as long as they did. They fell behind. They clawed back a little bit. They really kept fighting, you know, all the way through um, something that certainly previous iterations of, of this team, you know, have not always done. So, uh, you know, that part was positive, but they just they really just don't have the depth yet, um, you know, to sustain something like that. Particularly um, now with all the injuries. Yeah. And, you know, so when you're at home, I mean, I think we noted last week, you know, against Oregon State, they had five guys play 30 plus minutes and two of them were freshmen and uh you know that's that's just not sustainable uh particularly you know then playing at altitude um you know they just they they got a little bit gassed i i I hesitate to rely on that too much because you know they didn't exactly play heavy minutes in that either but you know i I just think colorado's really good uh you know they 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 whooped up on washington uh you know Really, I, I think the final score was a little bit closer than ours, but it was it was a laugher at halftime uh, against Washington. Right. Washington's its own sort of special kind of mess right now. But, um, you know, this team's doing a lot of things right. And that's, that's the part I have to remind myself of. I know we're going to talk about Utah, and, and that one was sort of annoying because it felt like they, they were kind of right there to, to make it happen. But, um, you know, they're they're doing a lot of things right. And you can, you know, even if the results are a little, you know, iffy at times, during that first season, um, you can hang your hat on a lot of, you know, process things when you see some things going right. And it's kind of how I feel about these guys right now. You know, both of these games, they were, um, they were, they were ahead, they fell behind, they clawed back and then fell apart. And, um, you know, you hang your hat, I think, especially I'm sure the coaching staff is doing this too. You know, you hang your hat on the good stuff and, and, you know, three quarters of a, of a game is, um, certainly, you know, movement in the right direction and in, in a location where, you know, we've really had no success whatsoever. Literally had no success. I did want to talk about one guy who uh, was hasn't played much, but it was forced into action largely because of Pollard's injury, um, and that's Duran Henson or yeah. Darren, however you pronounce it. It's um, Duran. Yeah, Duran. Yeah. Um, uh, we we had heard, you know, before the season that he was the so 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 called best shooter on the team. And yeah, he does has an absolutely pure stroke, and Colorado was not ready for that. No, and uh, he hand down, man down uh, <laughs> them to death, and yeah. uh, that was you know an impressive shooting performance. Um, so you're thinking like this team has struggled offensively all year. Why isn't this guy on the floor? And uh, Jeff, I wanted you to talk a little bit about why. He's not on the floor. <laughs> yeah, well, so first off, you can see why Ernie Kent liked him, right? <laughs> like, right. Like, he's he is not bashful about shooting, and he can really shoot. Um, you know, he, he definitely, I, I think you, you know, said this to me, you made note of, of his, you know, shooting stroke. I mean, it's it's a nice, pretty, high-release shooting stroke. The dude absolutely looks like a stone-cold shooter, which is uh, certainly something we could use, right, is, is someone who can shoot. Um, but he doesn't really seem to do a whole lot else well. In fact, d- during that stretch when he was he was hitting some threes, um, you know, basically there were there were five points in a row, uh, two baskets. One was a two, one was a three. Um, that, that I would say were probably directly attributable to his uh, poor defense. One was uh, he's a little slow on a rotation. 
cutting off a drive and, and the, the offensive players kind of pulled up for a little free throw line jumper and drained it. Uh, and then on the next one, they, they kind of dumped it in. It wasn't all the way to the post, but it was, you know, it was kind of baseline dumped into a post player on the baseline. For some reason, uh, he decided to come off the shooter to dig down and, and it, he, he committed sort of the cardinal sin, right? Which is, uh, you either, you either go hard or, or, or you stay. Um, and he kind of got, for whatever reason, took one step and got caught in no man's land. The ball went right back out to his guy, and he promptly drained a three. And, and, and so his guy's one of the and I, one of the better three better three point, three point shooters. shooters in the country, like really. Yeah, good. yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a, a Seward, uh, Lucas Seward. So it was yeah, a guy that was kind of shredding WSU all day. Yep, and not a guy you can leave open no. at all. And so, uh, you know, it just. <sighs> For where the program is at right now, you know, Kyle Smith has made it very, very, very clear that the that the emphasis is on defense, that they are going to hang their hat on defense. They're going to try and win with defense um, and they're they're even going to put up with a certain amount of bad offense if uh, if if you know, the defense is sound and you could sort of see right away uh, that Henson just does not have a good feel uh, for what he's supposed to be doing, uh, you know, defensively and, and, you know, for the minutes he's played, which, which of course has not been much, has not been much, but, uh, the minutes he has been in is his defensive rebounding percentage is 5%. Uh, and, and they he's just, been playing the four or five and he's been playing the four or the five. So, um, in theory, he should be close enough to the basket to get some rebounds. I mean, he's just not getting hardly any. So, um, I mean, yeah, it, we consider Pollard a bad defensive rebounder, right. and he's at twelve percent. Right. So five so percent is like, <laughs> and again, I mean, a small lot of sample size; it can be skewed one but way even, or the other. Like, but even like you're talking like a lot of guards who don't even chase rebounds end up get, better than that, and better than that. Yes, yeah. and so you know, I if I were just to guess, you know, he's not playing because he, he's not grading out well on the defensive stuff in practice, and, and he's and a the, bit of a bad match. You know. Uh, he, he's, he's six, seven, two ten. you know, they had him at the five basically because Pollard was out. Right. Um, and cause Ellaby, they, I don't think they wanted to get him into foul trouble or, or, you know, even further into foul trouble when, when he played. So it was just, uh, they had to be on and he was guarding a, a guy about 50 pounds heavier than him. Right. That doesn't help. He was getting to the glass very easily. Um, it, it was a very big matchup. If, if, it's just one of those things like if there was more on the team like if if he could play like a wing three and, and then be hidden a little more defensively um he's the type of guy you could have come in for 10 15 minutes a game and hit three threes and you know be awesome but but it's just when he's playing those extended minutes like and and we're just so thin on the front line that like it, he has to play the five, which he is not a five in any way. And and apparently, like Markovetsky is just has just been that ineffective that he couldn't play either. Yeah, um, he's just he's just really slow right now. Yeah, you know he he can't do. I, you know, I'm not trying to bag on the kid. I, I don't want to sound like I'm ripping on the kid. I mean, he's. I, I think you. I, I think you're the one who said this to me, which is like you know seven footers who can move and do stuff uh don't fall into WSU's lap exactly that late in the recruiting process right like, you know so he was always going to be a project I, I do think you know from from conversations I had with people they were expecting him to be able to do a little more than what he's done so far but yeah it felt like it felt like he was going to be a contributor as a yeah freshman, it felt like he, he might play 10 or 15 minutes and 
um, that has not happened. So. A lot of DMPs. Yeah, and and you can see it when he comes in that he's he's obviously he's big. So I mean, yeah, he's there's got, times he's got like, that going, but yeah, other if, than if, that, like he's know. a he's a very good rebounder. Yep, because he's particularly feet offensively. Tall. Yep. But he, I mean, he's three of twelve from the free throw line. Like he he's he's eight of fourteen from the floor, but he like those six misses probably all should have been makes. Probably. He I, I don't even know if he has a dunk on the season. Like I have any of those shots, and he's like right. You know, I I remember. You know, you always see these like uh particularly like the the um the European bigs, and they're they're just not as um, aggressive towards the basket as like a big from the U.S. Right. And, and they and they go for layups more. And and Markovetsky's not he's not a perimeter player. Like you know, like a Dirk Nowitzki type, but he still is a little softer on the basket, and and I think, I mean, I, the, these exactly these seven footers that end up at WSU, he he doesn't look like any sort of lost cause by any stretch of the imagination. He just looks like a big seven footer that yeah. needs to adjust. Yeah, and, and needs some and, strength, needs some conditioning. Yeah, just kind of and, needs and to transform his body a little and, bit. And he hasn't been good, very good defensively. And so, if you're going to not have a very good defensive player, you might as well have the dude. If if you're choosing between him or Henson, you might as well have the dude that's going to hit threes. So it's like, right. uh, so yeah, I don't know what what. Uh, it'll, we'll see how much we see Henson more. I mean, he's, I, his shooting, I'm sure is just tempting for, uh, Smith. So we can transition to the Utah game. He did get some first half minutes. He got, he actually probably his scoring in the first half was keeping WSU in it a bit, but obviously you don't know what the trade-off was on the, on the offensive end, but right. on the defensive end. But, um, but yeah, he definitely, uh, he, he was showing out again in the first half, but, but it, but it was, but it's just, yeah. Against Utah, um, a significantly worse team than Colorado. Yep. So you thought that's why we thought, you know, that's the one we can get. And for well, first for about the first fifteen minutes, and then they kind of let you. They they had a one of those droughts and let Utah pull away. But then they were able to get back and actually take the lead from being down ten plus. They were down twelve. They were down twelve. CJ finally gets going. He didn't score at all in the first half. Foul trouble. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna let you quote talk unquote, about that. Quote unquote foul trouble. So foul trouble. But he comes in, hits three threes. Bonton hits a three. They take the lead. Yeah. Um, but then after that, it it was it was a struggle. And then really, what was disappointing was the defense down the stretch, particularly the defense on Utah's point guard. Yeah. Um, that that just uh letting him get to the basket. I know he he's a he's a solid player, but he's not he's not that good. And 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 just to let him get to the basket over and over and um down the stretch and just really put the game away, put it out of reach for Utah was uh was frustrating to watch cuz that really felt like one when they came back and took that lead, uh you're like, "All right, you know, like they took a punch. They they came back and maybe they can ride this one out." Um but again, there was. Um, let, let's go ahead. Let me talk about um, a big part of it was Ellaby's foul trouble, and um, I know you talked about it on Twitter. But um, <laughs> yeah. talk about how CJ Ellaby ended up with uh, four fouls with about 15 minutes left in the game. I mean, that was some pretty typical Pac-12 refing. Uh, you know, he got two quick fouls in the first half uh, on charges where uh, you know we've seen those sorts of things called flops by the refs this year right with the especially if your name is Noah Williams right with the new flop rules you know if you if you're going down before there's contact 
you're it's supposed to be called a flop that happened twice um and and look i mean cj's not he's not the quickest guy um he's you know he's he can be crafty when he's driving to the basket um he tends to be a little more successful when he's going to the basket with just sort of those sort of awkward, I, I guess maybe call it like, you know, just kind of European type moves where maybe yeah. he takes off on the wrong foot. You know, he kind of does a little step over and he's a good leaper. So I think yeah. he kind of, he, he relies on kind of, you know, getting up in the air and then creating the right. shot out of that. So. But he's definitely not a put the ball on the ground and blow past you kind of guy. And, um, you know, one thing, you know, credit to, um, you know, credit to Utah, what they tried to do was put a smaller guy on him, um, and, and really kind of maybe just stay in front of him. They really didn't want him getting to the basket. That seemed pretty obvious and that they were going to, um, you know, concede maybe some longer jumpers to him. Um, you know, early on, you know, CJ's trying to make something happen again, small dude slides in front of him is falling over before the contact happens. And, and he got called for a pair of, uh, charges and and the refs then once they sort of established that uh that precedent then it was just charges all over the place for the entire game uh both ends of the floor it wasn't just yeah. um wasn't just you know against us although um it definitely was disproportionately uh affecting affecting us but you know so those were the first two and that that really rendered him you know basically useless for the rest of the first half um and then he picked up his third um early in the second half i think it was in the second half maybe not i don't remember yeah, yeah. so it was after he came out in the second half and started bombing away and that's where you know having the smaller players on him he starts you know just shooting Screw over it, him. i'm just gonna shoot right over. he's like i'm just gonna shoot over you and and he hits like three in a row so so that worked out great. Well, then I don't know what happened after that. Maybe they were, you know, talking shit or whatever. But the refs decide that they're going to call um, a foul away from the basket on a double foul away from the basket on the two. A double best. technical foul. It wasn't a technical. It was just a double uh, foul. Uh, the the uh, TV broadcast first said. Yeah, they were wrong. As as I'm sure that will shock you that yeah. uh, the TV broadcast was incorrect. But um, according to the according to the official stats, they were not technical fouls. Uh, Jazz Coons got a technical foul for his uh, flagrant foul on the breakaway, oh which God. was again another ridiculously bad call. Um, that was one. That was something that did hasten <laughs> the downfall in the first half. Uh, they ended oh, up getting yeah. four points on that trip, and and that was just sort of like when when that snowball that, started. That jazz out. sequence was pretty, yeah, hilarious. And yeah. that whole like three minute sequence when he asked to come out, right? And then he and was then, limping, and then and he then, hits a three, and, and then, then hits a three, and then gets a steal. <laughs> like it was like right. he's just like begging to come out. He's finally and then so he just, gassed, he just he reaches, just reaches for, the guy. for a guy, and then yeah. they call it. And then they call it a flagrant. It's just Utah gets so four points. It's so ridiculous. So WSU you know, went from having, I think, like a seven-point lead to a three-point yeah. lead at that point. The double foul was on C.J. Ellaby and Timmy Allen, the two best players in the game, who were both on three fouls <sighs> at the who who it put them they both were, at four. It put fouls. them both. At, put them both at, at uh, three fouls. Um, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, put yeah. them both at three fouls with like eighteen minutes left in the yeah. second half or whatever. And then, and, uh, and then CJ's fourth one was on. Uh, he was contesting something in the post, jumped straight up, really didn't swipe at the guy at all, really made no contact whatsoever, and uh, and they called another. It was just, yeah, it's but, yeah, but so, it's that home court advantage, right? That yeah. we talk about. It's it's actually this. This is actually part of that. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's it when when Ken Palm has has various factors that go into home court advantage and foul uh, differential is is a big one. 
And it, it uh, exists. Like people sometimes will be like, ah, is that really a thing? It is a thing. It is definitely yeah. a thing. There, there are metrics that he can measure that happen different from home and road that have, you know, an impact on, um, that have an impact on, on the game. Right. And so, yeah. So, so these teams are really always near the top. Well, yeah. Um, Utah, not so much Utah. It's, uh, there's some other factors, uh, this year they're 123rd in, uh, personal foul difference between home and road. Yeah. Um, Colorado's 42nd, uh, but, uh, Colorado is first in point differential. Um, Utah is, I don't know what NST is. Do you know what that is? Yeah. That's the non-steel turnovers Ah. is what that is. So, so apparently there's, there's some sort of, uh, some sort of, uh, correlation between non-steel turnovers home and away. Um, which would, would sort of make sense um, because, I, I, you know, maybe you get more friendly whistles at home in that one. I think some of that probably comes into fouls a little bit because charges are non-steel turnovers as well. So anyway. I find it pretty – I, I, I like how he adds the elevation. Um, I don't think that's in the um, equation, but uh, I think he just adds it as a – I think it might be because he – think it is? Yeah, when he first uh, – you know, I, I haven't looked at it in a long time, but I do remember when he first – uh, started exploring this, and I know that like kind of the number one thing that he found was that was elevation was sort of the number one factor. That that was like when when he first started doing the analysis, Utah, Air Force, Colorado sort of jumped right off the page. Uh, New Mexico was another one, and when you look at the top, home and, court, and, and that is actually um, where uh, Ken Palmore is from, yes, and based, and Salt where Lake he City. worked, and yeah, so he. He's kind of that's those are the teams that he kind of started this whole journey with, right. particularly Air Force, right? Um, and so that it's 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 makes sense that he would kind of come to that conclusion. Yeah. But well, when you look at the top fifteen uh, home court advantage teams, uh, let's see, looks like about thirteen, twelve, twelve of them are in like the top seventy in terms of elevation. Um, and then another, like, like 10 of them are in like the top 40 yeah, in so elevation. So it, it matters. Let's, let's, let's like just a little bit on that. How, like, is there like in terms of like home court advantage, cause Colorado and Utah aren't necessarily always good. Like Utah's not that good this year. Colorado is, um, but in terms of like a, a road trip where you're just at a disadvantage based on where you're playing, yep. like, I don't. I don't think there's a road trip in college basketball that that's tougher than than this. Like you're playing these two teams in 48 hours, basically, or and, and so like a little more maybe. Like they 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 basically had to. I think they had. They, I think they had like 43 hours between when yeah. the Colorado game ended and when the Utah game started. And plus, they're not that close, right? Like I was going to say that it's like an eight hour trip, like yep. by road. Like so, but I mean, I don't know how they go but they must fly but i assume it, they but, fly yeah but but it's still it's like it's it's you know it, part of the difficulty of the washington washington state trip yep. is the huge gap but this isn't even bigger yep um that's uh, the only distance. one that's even close is the washington washington state trip all the other ones you can stay somewhere drive by bus um so that's you know you you fly into fly, fly into a place play at altitude um, and then get up and, you know, fly again to, to the other place and, you know, play at altitude again. It's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. It's, it's right. real tough. 
I've seen uh, WSU go. They were at roughly around a hundred for the start of this year, but I think because of their, they've had such a stark difference between their performance on the road and 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 at home as many of the Pac-12 teams have this year. They're yeah. up to like eighty second in home court advantage now, um, which is which is pretty funny. Uh, yeah. So yeah, this. Um, so if you're worried about how WSU is performing on the road, um, that's fine, but. Just know that pretty much every Pac-12 team is having that issue this year. Yep. Um, we saw Arizona lose at Arizona State. Um, we saw Ca- Stanford lose at Cal. Uh, these are uh, losses that should not have happened, but you know they they <laughs> yeah. they do. I mean, we saw Oregon lose at WSU. Um, yep. So uh, yeah, it's crazy. Saw, yeah, the, it's just, it, in the yeah. Pac-12, seventy-five percent. Home teams have won almost 75% of games. It's the third most of any conference in the country. And there's 32 conferences. So out of 32, we're third. This conference is third. Um, so, yeah, it's it, home court advantage for whatever reason has been really, really, really strong this year. Um, I'm not sure why that is. It's not always like that. Uh, for example, last year it was 15th. Home team only won just a shade under 60% of the games. So... It, I'm not, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure what to read into that. Um, I just know that this year uh, there's like Cal beating Stanford, right? Like Cal beat Stanford yeah. after and they played Stanford two times already um, for whatever reason, scheduling quirk. And so in the first game at Stanford, you know, Stanford won by, you know, 16 or 20 or something. Uh, and then of course they go play at Cal and Cal wins by a point or two. And yeah, it's just been weird. It's been very, very weird. So, which I guess is a good thing for us because, um, you know, if we can win some home games, then, you know, that bolsters the overall record and, you know, fans feel good. And, um, you know, I, 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 I will bet that, I, and I don't know because, you know, a Wednesday night game is a Wednesday night game, plus it's eight o'clock. So um, that might be weird against Arizona State. But, um, I, you know, I, I'll be interested to see. I, I would guess that there will be a little more interest and a little higher attendance um, just based off of what happened against Oregon and Oregon State. I would I, hope so. I, I, well, and I just would guess that, I mean, it's going to sound, you know, maybe not great, but, you know, I, I would imagine our fans probably didn't pay a heck of a lot of attention to <laughs> what happened at Utah and Colorado. I will say. Especially I, the students. I will say I was on Twitter during both games, and um, there was definitely more people watching yeah. those games than there was the trip to Cal and Stanford. So I think there was more, but did the students, I don't know. They were both on Pac-12 networks. I don't, I, I don't know. You know, I doubt it. I doubt they were paying any kind of mind whatsoever. Really? So yeah. They, they still remember that we, uh, we crushed Oregon yeah, and Oregon they'll be like, State. that was fun. Let's do that again. Yeah. So hopefully, yeah, that's really the difference is the, the students showing up for those weekday games particularly. Um, but yeah, let's, um, let's take a little break and then let's, uh, let's talk about the weekend ahead. Let's do it. We're back. All right. Yeah. I said the weekend ahead, but of course, as you mentioned, uh, this, uh, for TV, uh, purposes, this first game is on Wednesday, not like the old Thursday, Saturday, every weekend. Right. Um, I, I don't think it, when I was in school we ever had a Wednesday game that was a conference game. Like I think I feel like the Gonzaga games were always on Wednesday, but uh, the conference games were always on Thursday. Yeah, this is definitely um, a uh, since the new TV deal, Pac-12 kind of thing. It makes it a lot harder Pullman-wise to do like a both games trip 
Yeah. Because, uh, uh, you know, I was, like I said, I thought about doing that for Oregon because it was Thursday, Saturday, so that was better. But yeah, we, and I, I'm really bummed that, you know, uh, our wa- our home Washington game is on a Sunday, yeah. which sucks. But it'd be uh, nice if they'd throw us a bone once in a while and have it be like a Friday Sunday afternoon. And then you really could do both. Friday Sunday afternoon would be the ideal. That would yeah. be awesome. Friday at like seven. Both. Friday seven. Sunday two or something. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, yeah. So, uh, but they will never do that. No, because uh, they don't care. Because about us. they put our game against our biggest rival at five p.m. on Sunday. So. Mm-hmm um cool uh but yeah uh but anyway so this weekend uh first we got arizona state 8 p.m on uh Uh uh-huh on a wednesday on a wednesday yep do you need me to write that recap jeff (laughs) no i'll get i'm on it i'll get okay it. (laughs) It, it might be only 200 words but by golly i'll do one um, but yeah, so 8 p.m. on a Wednesday, um, Arizona State, uh, is the, well, they just had a huge win. I mean, that's, yep. that, that literally, you know, uh, I think beating Arizona puts them in a position to where they potentially could be a tournament team. Um, they have a lot of work to do, but net wise they're, they're ranked like 57. So um not so bad um interesting factoid that i put in my preview uh wsu is actually when you're playing them on the road is a quadrant two game now because they're uh, 108 and net and it's up mm. to 125 130 something like that um so this hmm. is actually this can actually be a resume win for arizona state um <laughs> when was the last time we could say that well that ask beating Mark wazoo was a resume win Ask Mark Few. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, legitimately. I have like, a lot of other things I'd ask that guy before I asked him that question. <laughs> Let um, me tell you. But yeah, so Arizona State, uh, interestingly enough, um, is uh, this is they're much like they've uh, they've kind of trended this way, but they've become a, a very much more defensively focused. Uh, in, in terms of what they're good at, defense uh, team, and uh, just a not very good offensive team. Their offense is actually, and I mentioned this to you earlier. Um, their offense, their their offensive kind of strengths and weaknesses are they they're almost exactly the same as WSU's. Like it's very weird. Did you use um, the Spider Man meme in your in your preview? Oh no, I didn't. Because that would have been I, perfect. I ain't basic bitch. Come on. Um, <laughs> Hey, but yeah, visuals so, can communicate things, you know. Offensively, uh, they don't shoot well. Um, right. they, they're a little better on the inside, a little worse on the outside than WSU. Uh, they don't turn the ball over very much. Um, uh, they don't rebound offensively. WSU over the season is better, but we know recently they've kind of abandoned that. Yep. Um, and then they don't get to the free throw line very much. WSU doesn't either. Um, the one thing stylistically, uh, Arizona state shoots more inside. Um, I think it's a product of Remy Martin and Romello white, um, than WSU WSU shoots, uh, three pointers more often. But other than that, like their strengths and weaknesses, pretty similar and they're pretty, um, comparable in terms of effectiveness offensively by that to mean they're not very good offensively. Um, but yeah, so obviously 
the guys to watch out for offensively, Remy Martin. Um, they have this kid named Alonzo Verge who starts sometimes, doesn't start sometimes, generally is bad, scored 43 points against St. Mary's for some goddamn reason. I don't know. He's going to hoist. <laughs> He's going to hoist, yeah. and yeah. sometimes it's going to work out, and most times it's not. Um, they got a three-point specialist in Rob Edwards. They, I mean, they, uh, really, their defense is what could hurt WSU. Um, they force turnovers. WSU has generally been pretty good at um, taking care of the ball, but we've seen them have some games uh, where they c- can be coerced into giving the ball away, and that has me worried. Um, Jalen House is a good defender that they have. He's kind of the huge difference in their turnover percentage this year. Um, and then, uh, but otherwise, their um, WSU should be able to rebound um, pretty well on both ends. I think. Um, the, the, I it'll be interesting to see. Uh, WSU has shot a lot better from three in Pac-12 play, um, which you know sometimes is counterintuitive. But of course, we, you know. You know, it's getting adjusting to the line, whatever. Um, they I were never shot. as bad shooting as what they were early in the year. Yeah, like they were. I mean, they were never going to stay that bad. We talked. We talked about it last week, but it's even better now. Like Bonton and um, CJ both have pretty good percentages now. They're both over thirty three percent now. So yep. uh, that that's where you at least want to be to thirty three percent to be like a high volume three point shooter. Um, and but in Pac twelve play, both of them are well above that. So. Um, that, that's really where to me, um, rebounding and hitting threes are, are going to be big for the Cougs in this one, I think. Yeah, I think so. They, and, you know, keeping Arizona state off the line, I think will be another one. Um, not that Arizona state is all that has been all that good this year getting to the line, but, um, something, something I, I pointed out on, on Twitter, the kind of the morning after, uh, the Utah game is that, you know, it's interesting. This team, um, you know, has had a tendency to give up high free throw rates on the road. Um, yep. And I think, you know, and, and those high free throw rates are pretty heavily correlated at this point with, with losses. Um, and, you know, Ken Palm does this sort of interesting thing that's, I don't think it's super meaningful, um, but it's, it, he'll, he'll take, you know, the four factors, you know, ba- you know, shooting turnover percentage, rebounding percentage, and then, uh, you know, free throw rate, which is just free throw attempt divided by field goal attempts. Um, it, it's just basically free throw frequency. Right. And for WC's defense, um, you know, shooting is always going to be the number one factor for all that. It's the most important factor for, you know, what should be very obvious and intuitive reasons. Um, but it's always sort of interesting to look and see. So if you're saying that Ernie Kent was a genius? Yeah, right. Uh, but, f- you know, when you look at the, um, you know, the other three factors, sometimes it's interesting if one of them sort of sticks out correlation-wise. Right. And for WSU, the number two correlation, it's I mean, it's not a strong correlation. It's like, you know, 0.5 or whatever, which I don't know that much about stats. You know more than I do, but I do know that's not a super strong, but it's like, Hey, indicating this is, this is sort of a thing. Um, free throw defensive free throw rate is the number two factor with, uh, our defensive efficiency. It's actually surpassed uh, turnover percentage, which we all kind of think of as being the thing that, uh, we kind of hang our hats on, on defense. It's kind of, it's the thing that makes our defense go. 
Um, I, I do wonder a little bit, and maybe you have some thoughts on this, if, if those two things kind of go hand in hand a little bit in that, you know, we do play a pretty aggressive, pretty handsy defense. Um, and at home, maybe you get away with that a little more than you do on the road. Uh, you get, you know, again, we, we already established, uh, you know, Ken Palm established a long time ago that, you know, you tend to get more fouls called on you on the road. Uh, you know, reaching fouls, you know, blocking type fouls, block charge fouls, things like that would seem to be the sorts of things that would maybe go a little bit more toward the home team than the road team. And maybe you get away with that a little bit more at home than you do on the road. I, you know, I can't say that for sure, but it seems like a plausible theory. And, um, you know, if the other, our, our defense tends to be pretty good when it's getting turnovers, obviously, but when it's not giving up a parade to the free throw line. And that has tended to happen uh, more on the road than it has at home. So, um, you know, maybe coming back home, you know, we ramp up the turnovers a little bit again. You mentioned Arizona State doesn't turn over a ton, but, you know, maybe ramp it up a little bit. Um, also, don't, uh, you know, don't give up. Um, you know, don't, don't give up easy free throws, you know, on, on, you know, with weak fouls, things like that, those kinds of things I think are, um, going to make a difference because, you know, one thing we know is that, you know, we're, we're a pretty good, um, you know, shot defense team when, when we're kind of on it and, and at home in particular. So, right. uh, I think, you know, I, th- I think, I think the recipe is there, uh, to hold Arizona state down and, and, you know, produce a pretty close game. Yeah, I feel I feel pretty good about um this Arizona State game. Um not necessarily predict to win, but I I think it's a toss up and uh based So on does the, Ken Palm. Yeah, and <laughs> I know obviously that influences my th- thinking, but when I look at the the you know the the peripheral data, like it's like there's nothing about um Arizona State that I don't think WSU can at least neutralize uh Romello white is a little scary because he you know could potentially do the same thing to wsu um that colorado's yeah. big um uh huge free throw rate. Ev- ev- got evan a huge batty. free throw rate yeah so he could you know potentially do what evan batty did uh, we also didn't mention that wsu is pretty fortunate that tyler D- bay didn't play in that game but, yeah <laughs> That could have been they even still, worse. They still lost by 20. <laughs> yeah, Colorado was missing their best player, and he lost by 20. So. Who would have been guarding CJ eh. and also just murdering them. Right. But, uh, but, yeah, um, so, yeah, Evan Batty just murdered them on the inside. But uh, yeah. White is more athletic than Batty, doesn't have that girth that Batty does. So I think that Pollard specifically could body him up a little bit more, keep him off the glass, because um, I think that'll be the matchup. Yeah, they're going to be so definitely emphasizing that matchup. How do we neutralize that guy? Yeah, um, and th- and that's going to be a challenge, right? I but mean, we don't have we've got we've got Pollard, <laughs> and that's it. And Pollard certainly is not super athletic. Well, um, and so and it's also not just down to your bigs because uh, Remy Martin's a very difficult guard up top to yep. uh, to keep out of the lane. Um, we have some good defensive guards, but we've also seen them break down against Utah and break yep. down against other teams. Even McKinley Wright, like they did a pretty good job against, but he had his moments. Um, I think that uh, Remy Martin is probably even a little quicker than McKinley Wright. Um, and so, and, and also probably a little bit better shooter. So he's a little more, da- so he, he's kind of a guy you have to put, um, uh, yeah, you know, you, you got to have an arm on him at all times. You can't just lay off of him for the sake of the drive. Yeah. Cause he'll bury a three. Um, that, yeah. So it, that, that there is obviously some challenges, but, uh, we've seen this team play very well defensively at home. 
Um, they played the best, you know, player slash point guard in the conference uh, uh, last week at home and, or a week and a half ago at home and uh, beat that team and held them to 0.91 points per possession. So um, I, the one thing that encourages me is Arizona State doesn't have the size uh, to uh, the the interior bigs to just exploit WSU right. over and over again inside. They've um, basically and, got one dude. It's white. And yeah, he's basically and, and, their one guy. And, and when there's one guy, WSU's done pretty well. When there's multiple guys like Oregon State or uh, Santa Clara, even like Colorado State, teams like that, they've they've been able to destroy WSU on the inside. Um, Utah even was able to do that. They had they had a, enough bigs to do that. So I, um, you know, I'm I'm. You know, I'm pretty. I'm pretty confident we can hold them down. Their offense isn't that good, so um, I would expect like a you know a point nine ish you know on yeah. the defense. Just really, they they do have a good defense though. And but WSU has done a lot better offensively at home as well yeah. as defensively. Um, so I, I hope just that that home cooking um, can help them avoid those like long yeah. stinky stretches yeah. of, of just trash offense yeah. and, and, and kind of give them the energy to, to find those open shots, maybe hit a couple tough ones and, and um, maybe, you know, you can get uh, Koontz to knock down one of his corner threes, which I feel like he has, he just never does on the road. Um, and, uh, you know, guys like that, um, you know, D- DJ Rodman get, you know, although it, it does seem, uh, that I, I don't know if he's fully healthy, uh, of course. Um, but you know, hopefully Noah Williams, he had a tough weekend. Um, <laughs> he had, he had one of the best stat lines I've ever seen on Saturday. Yeah. That was awesome. What, what was okay? So it was six minutes. Six minutes. Uh, two points, three field goal attempts, two rebounds, one assist, one assist two turnovers, or maybe it was turnovers. one. Re- it was one rebound, one assist, two turnovers, and five fouls. Like he, like he did a little bit of everything in six minutes. <laughs> well, a lot of fouling. Well, he, well, yeah, okay. He did a little bit of everything else and did a lot of fouling. At least one of the turnovers was a foul as well. You know, yeah, it was. Yeah, that, that if anything exemplified sort of the bizarre nature of, of that game, that was one. I think he'll play a pretty key role. Um, I'm not sure that he can man up on Remy Martin. I think that's obviously going to fall to uh, it's going to fall to Bonton and Robinson. But I, I do think that I would not be shocked if we saw a pretty healthy uh, dose of zone in this game uh, with, you know, getting some of the longer guys out on the floor. Maybe you see some, because they just, um, you know, if if you can keep Remy Martin from, from sort of controlling the game, fun fact, he's the number one usage player in PAC 12 play. Uh, He's, and he's playing 90 plus percent of the minutes in PAC 12 play. So, He's fourth in minute percentage. He's first in percentage of possessions used. He's first in percentage of shots. He's and he's also fifth in assist rate. So, um, so he's basically kind of doing the whole thing right now for for Arizona State. And as he goes, they go. Um, so I, I would not be shocked if um, they do maybe go for some stretches. I don't know if we'll see you know a bunch of Ryan Rapp. I, I doubt we'll see a lot of him, but um, wouldn't shock me if we saw, you know, maybe some length on the perimeter where they go zone to really maybe try and frustrate him and kind of get the ball out of his hand and keep him from, uh, you know, really kind of controlling the game, doing, doing the drive and dish stuff that he likes to do so much. So 
that that'll be interesting. And, and, and I think, uh, you know, the offense obviously with us is always, always sort of a crapshoot, but, um, you know, defensively, I, I, I'm with you that, that I think we can, and shoot. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think we can hold them down. I think we can hold them down defensively. I, I feel, I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be an exciting game. Um, you know, really just hope that, that somehow they figure out a way to, to pull it out because, uh, you know, Arizona coming to town is, is, is awfully tough, <laughs> awfully tough on, on Saturday. Red hot is, as you know, I can walk to from my house. I has, is having a Fremont barrel age night on Wednesday. So I might be watching on my phone oh dear. While, while sipping <laughs> high grab stouts. Um, Ooh, yeah, it, yeah. So, so what you're really saying is that you will be an excellent Twitter follow. <laughs> Well, not really on because Wednesday. if I'm oh, no, on you'll my be phone, watching the game really on your phone. To, like, so if, if don't you have a notice, tablet? Can't you bring a tablet? No, I do not own a tablet. What? I guess I could bring my laptop. What? I guess, yeah. I don't know. I thought everybody had a tablet. You have a Tablets? daughter. How do you Tablets not have are, a tablet? Amanda has a tablet. I don't have a tablet. No. All right. Tablets are dying. Dude. I see. That. I mean, I guess. They yeah. are. Pay attention. Yeah. Um... Anyway, so on to Arizona. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one. Possessors of a three and three conference record, which um, is absolutely bonkers. Yeah, but you but know, also ranked one, uh, what like top twenty by Ken Palm. Yeah, one point. Yeah, top twelve. 12. Top twelve. There we go. That was uh, close. One point lost to Oregon, then just got their butts kicked by Oregon State. Right before Oregon State came and lost to us, like, that game was know. bizarre. Like Oregon State really just bizarre. sort of played out of their minds. They were just yeah, they were just they were just having a game. Yeah. Um, you know, they, uh, beat Utah, Colorado at home. Uh, they kicked the shit out of Colorado though, which, uh, yes, they did true. Like that's kind of their, uh, the kind of the, the true definition of how good they can be is how they just thoroughly crushed Colorado. Well, they're three and O at home and zero and three away. Oh, there you go. Well, that's that it. sounds fantastic. Yes, it sir. does. Um, plus they so, got to go play Washington. Before they play us, which is good. Which is excellent. Yep. Um, and it's on Thursday. Yep. Uh, it's not. On, and I will be in Pullman for this one. Will you? I will. I'm so jealous. Yeah. I'm beyond jealous. It'll be literally the first time I'm going to use my season tickets all year. Good so. job. Yeah. Way to go. My Arizona State ones are on StubHub if you want to buy them. <laughs> little plug for StubHub there. Supporters yeah, yeah. of uh, SB um, but if you're gonna buy them, please go to my preview <laughs> on Coog Center. Please use the link on the preview. Scroll on down Center. to the bottom where it says tickets, StubHub. <laughs> Click on that, then go yeah. buy them. Yeah, use that. Yeah. If you can do that and prove me that you did that, I'll yeah. give you tickets to a future game. There we go. <laughs> um, no, uh, I mean Arizona. This is this is the Arizona that we've uh, that that you know from from years past, waiting. right? With uh, yeah, three three absolutely stud freshmen, yep, uh, who will be around for approximately you know fifteen more games, yep. maybe. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean they they are going to be an absolute matchup nightmare for us. Yes, uh, length and athleticism all over the floor. Yeah. Uh, their top, you know, the, of their top four, uh, rotation guys four or top five rotation guys, four of them are underclassmen. Uh, yeah, they are, they are really, really like talking r- their three do, best players are freshmen. Yeah. Do not let the record fool you people. 
Uh, they are very, very good. They lost to Baylor by five. They lost to Gonzaga by four. They lost to St. John's on a neutral floor by three. And St. John's is not half bad. Uh, lost in overtime to Oregon on the road. Uh, lost by a point to Arizona State on the road. A game in which, by the way, they had a 22-point lead. And then, of course, the Oregon State game, which you know we already said. I, I watched some of that game. That was just sort of... That was just weird. Like, I mean, so just sometimes that happens, right? You know, a team gets hot and, and they, you know, light it up and then a team just sort of gets buried. You know, that's what happened in that Oregon State game. But every other game, you know, so just quick math here, 5, 4, 9, 12, 13, 14, five of their losses by a combined 14 points, five of their six losses. So really, yep. really, really. And they and, and their wins are they're pretty much killing people in their wins. So that's how you end up with such a high ranking in Ken Palm. Really good team. Uh, and, and in particular for us, going to present some really, uh, some very unique challenges uh, for us. Like Nico Mannion, I, I don't, I don't know who guards that guy, six three, one ninety point guard. Uh, I, I have no idea who on our team guards him, um, or or even tries to slow him down. And and then yeah, Zeke, Zeke Naji, you know, six eleven, two forty. Like we don't have anybody on our team who can even come close to kind of figuring that out. Um, yeah, and he's Jeff not Pollard, a, six nine two forty. Yeah, no, and he's no not lift. an inside outside guy. He's a destroy yeah. you in the paint guy. So that, that's going to be a, that's going to be a challenge. I, I would not be shocked if we sort of got run off the floor in that game. Um, you know, Najee is probably I mean probably the closest uh, the closest thing we've got is and I'm totally drawing a blank on his name right now, but the kid from USC who annihilated us. Uh, that's probably yeah. the closest comp to what uh, to what Najee is. I, I think he's, he's going to be a top. He's 10 a little pick. bigger. They're both going to be. Yeah, they're both going to be top yeah. ten picks. So I think Najee's a little bigger, but um, yeah, but similar Kong kind Lou of challenge. Thing, there we yeah. go. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, Najee's going to be the same kind of challenge, and and I just don't think we have. I just don't think we have anybody who can, um, you know, who can even really contest that. So I don't know. Maybe. And the thing is, you can't even just hack him. Like, like he's making eighty percent you know, of his like, free throws. So I, I know it's crazy, but like this is, you know, like the one guy that gave Okongwu trouble was a Tony Miller because he's short. He's only six six, but he's strong and he's quick. Yep. And so he can at least stay in front of them. Yep. And he can at least bother them to like when he has the ball offensively. Yep. Like he can make them work a little like with Pollard. He's, he's big and strong, but he just has n very little lift. He's not quick. And, and just, if there's, if there's just an athletic beast, it's very difficult for him. And, and given also, um, we have to say for Pollard, he's the only guy of, of that size, you know, cause otherwise you have like, you have a, a guy that's 200 pounds at six, eight in jazz Koontz and, and we already talked about Henson, and and it's just you know, yeah. Mark is really your only other option. And 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 we saw Mark Ovetsky try to guard Okongwu, <laughs> and it was a disaster. It <laughs> did not go well. Poor guy. I don't mean to laugh at him. I hope he doesn't listen to the podcast. I'm not trying to laugh at him. It's just he was. He's just not ready. He, he's not ready yet. He's not ready for that yet. So. So yeah, th there's yeah. I know. Like my um, my friends um, always pick one. WSU uh, uh, home basketball game to go to every year, and and they pick this one, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> "Can you pick one that we could maybe win?" But I don't know; it'll be fun. We'll have fun anyway. Yeah, but you'll um, have fun. There's just nobody else in the conference who's like this with us. Yeah, it's just it's we we talked about 
you know, some of the teams that have given us trouble and it's really teams that can, you know, really out athletic athleticism yeah. us like it's, and, and they can do that. Well, Utah um, did it, you know, yeah, Utah U- did Utah it with their bigs. Like it. their bigs yeah. had not been playing well, had not had much of an impact and, you know, major credit to Chris Goviak. He, he, I mean, he really sort of, once once they realized that our sole purpose was to shut down the Timmy Allen drives, and that was totally our job. That like the defense was one hundred percent geared to stop Timmy Allen from driving, which was the right thing to do. Right. Then all the, five minutes into the game, Kristovic's like, "All right, well that's what you're going to do. We're going to work this little high low uh, with our bigs, and we're going to exploit your lack of size." And um, and sure enough, that that was a big problem. You know, Arizona can do that, except with way better players. So well, yeah, and so you have you have Nico Mannion lightning quick. Um also he when he breaks on the defense can dish out to Dylan Smith and Jamari Baker, Jamari Baker, who both have over forty percent on threes. Um and then obviously he can dump off to Najee, who who not only is a terror in getting to the free throw line, also hits almost eighty percent from the free throw line. So yep. it's just yep. not fair. No. Um, there's really no way to stop him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, I don't know. I don't have high hopes. Um, other than, you know, that home cooking, uh, that home magic. And by Uh, the way, by the way, I want to point something out right now, just really quick. I actually mentioned his free throw percentage earlier. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, payback. Payback's a bitch, Craig. You don't know how many times I ignored. <laughs> hey, I repackage it in a different way when I repeat what you say, just so you know. Okay. <laughs> mm. All right. If we can get one win, we're happy, right? Yeah. If we get one win, we're happy. I mean, I'd be really happy if we got both and one of them was Arizona while I was there. That would be fantastic. That would be great. If we if we lost Arizona State, I'd be bummed. And then if we beat Arizona, I'd be like, don't care. Don't care. This is well, the honestly, best thing it, ever. In the grand scheme of things, if someone said you're only getting one, pick one. You well, go yeah. Arizona. Of well, then you're like, Arizona. holy shit, we've got wins against. We've got a win against Oregon. We've got a win against Arizona. We're like unstoppable. Bring on all comers. As long Build as it's a in statue Pullman. to Kyle Smith. Yeah. But in all seriousness, yeah. they, they, the coaching staff's doing an incredible job. I, I think we're both in agreement on that, that yeah. it, it is hard to remember sometimes when you see a team competing the way they compete and putting themselves in positions repeatedly, it's, it, it, you know, as a fan, you just get to a point where you're like, all right, we can win this game. We can do this. You know, you see him beat Oregon, you see him beat Oregon state. You're thinking, yeah, yeah, we can do that. And then when it falls apart, you know, against uh, Colorado or, or Utah, you just go, God damn it. And it's so, it's so frustrating, especially when you're watching that little shithead from Utah, you know, just drive into the lane over and over again. You're like, terrible God, haircut. just in his ears. And you're just like, fucking stop that guy. Like, come on. How is that guy good? Oh, you know, and you're just like, you just think like, come on. You know, four more minutes of hard nosed, and, and it's just, and then like the next more, I felt so bad because I like, you know, I was like, oh, this God, this defense last like two minutes has been embarrassing. You know, of course, me and you know never tweet right, and it's just like the next day, I'm like, I really regret saying embarrassing because it's like they're playing their asses off. They've got like like seven guys, eight guys. You know, they're missing. And, and, well, and and yeah, and. It's just, I mean, they got so many guys injured. Not that, you know, if we're talking the guys who were injured, I mean, Tony Miller obviously wasn't counted on to be a rotation guy, but then he showed he could be one 
you're missing him. You're missing Cannon. You're missing Shed. You're missing James. Like three of those guys, Cannon, Shed, and James, were absolutely going to be three of your top like seven or eight guys. And you know, your starting point guard, you're probably your sixth man in James. You know, and then and then Cannon, maybe like your seventh or eighth guy. It, it's like it's absolutely insane what Kyle Smith is doing right now, and in a good way. Like it's just unbelievable. I. You know, I, I kind of made a comment to someone uh, the other day that, that the coaching staff was sort of holding it together with duct tape. And it's like they're just like it's it, it, that they've been able to stay competitive while all of this has happened is incredible. It's really, really, really incredible. Like if this were Ernie Kent, like how, like how loudly would Ernie Kent be reminding us how many injuries they had? Like, like, yeah. I mean, it every would be single game, every game. Why, why did, why did WSU lose this? Yeah. Week? Yeah. We'd have to resurrect. Why did WSU lose this week? And we just have to say injuries, you know, over and over and over again, because that's, that's what it would be. And, you know, Kyle Smith makes no excuses. And, and I know the coaching staff is making no excuses that they are just like, Hey, you know, whoever's next, let's go. And, and some of the guys are just, are really showing out, you know, DJ Rodman is a guy, I mean, we haven't talked about this, but, but, you know, I mentioned that their their defensive game plan was mostly geared around stopping Timmy Allen drives. DJ Rodman was awesome on Sunday with that. Like he, I know that Noah Williams right now is kind of getting the buzz as like the defensive guy. Uh, very quietly, DJ Rodman is a really good defender, a really good defender. Absolutely. And so when you put him together, and, and I know that Rodman was on Trace Tinkle for a lot last, uh, not last weekend, but the weekend before with Oregon State. Um, you know, those two guys, uh, Williams and Rodman are, are, are sort of have the makings of a really, uh, you know, what could be a special kind of defense over the next couple of years. If those are the two guys that are sort of your, um, you know, the foundation of that, um, you know, yeah. they, they are, they are just, uh, they, they, what the, what the staff is doing. And if Mark Ovetsky can, yeah. And if uh, he, you know, he, you know he's got to maybe turn, you know, 20 pounds of the baby fat into muscle, um, which can be done over the next 12 months for sure. And, and I actually think that jazz Koontz is a really good defender. He's just, yeah, he's, he's just, just too small. light. He's just, too yeah, light. yeah. He's just too light. And, but he makes some really good plays. On he does. The ball he and, does. And like, he's a, he, he's a solid yeah. rebounder. He's not yeah. a great rebounder, but he's a solid rebounder. He, He's about as good as you expect from a four who's 198. Pounds. Exactly. So he may. I. I. I think 198 is pushing it too. Um, I, I'd be surprised if he's actually even that. It's the so, old Robbie Calgill bump. I think so. So anyway, it just you know everything we've said. I think it's really important to point out that what they are doing is really remarkable and really should be viewed as such. Uh, this, this is a team. With not, I don't think anybody's thinking it's you know top half of the conference talent. Uh, you know, if we just put talent, yeah, we weren't even, we weren't even, you know, they're they're actually in a position, you know, net ranking wise, where if they won a few, you know, big games down the stretch, they could be in the conversation for an NIT bid. Yeah, but like we wouldn't even have considered that at the start of the season. I that wasn't even on my radar. If you just go pure talent of the guys in the rotation right now, I'm not sure that you put them above anybody in the conference. Honestly, uh, I, I don't even, I'm not even sure you put them ahead of Cal to be honest. And so, um, to, to do what they've done with what they've, with the hand they've been dealt, um, is, is, is just, it's awesome. It's, it's really fun to watch. It's remarkable. Um, and it's, well, and I think it's something said, to be admired. And, and some of the, you know, there's a couple young pieces that, um, 
make you excited like it's it's yes there's not a ton of it it's not there's not a a senior leading this team no everybody's Um, probably back next year except for pollard and probably ellaby and i and i'm not even sure about ellaby i i do think he's got his sights set on the nba yeah and Um, i do think that he's he's starting to get it together um yeah i I think if you would have asked me after the first four conference games i've been like no there's no (laughs) fucking way but yeah. he's really he's really getting yeah. his shit together, and yeah. I and so I wouldn't he, be surprised if he went. And so, you got Clay Thompson on on the broadcast being yeah. like, "Oh, he's an NBA player. Yeah. He's an NBA player." But everybody <laughs> else is coming back. I mean, obviously pending transfers or whatever. But um, you know, everybody else is coming back. You know, you're losing you're losing your center. They're they're definitely going to need to add uh, add a little bit of size. Uh, you know, maybe another grad transfers in the works on that one. Um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see kind of how they, how they retool the front court a little bit, but, but it's exciting to think, okay, you know, between this year and next year, I think the things that, that, that fans could really be like, yeah, that's, that's something to hang your hat on a little bit. You know, they've, they've focused almost exclusively on defense and the offense is definitely starting to come around as the season has gone on. Absolutely. Um, the offense is actually outperforming the defense in conference play, um, which I think probably a lot of fans would be sort of surprised by so if the you know if the offense is coming around now defensive principles get set you know you could you can start to work on improving the offense between now and the beginning of next season and 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 that when you've got all these guys coming back um, I think that's a that's a pretty exciting prospect you see what Bonton can do like you're seeing now what coaching what the coaches have seen in practice that he can that he can do this that he can play um they've seen this in practice he just for whatever reason wasn't translating to games well now it's translating to games he really does look like a legit um really impact point guard type guy and so it's exciting it's exciting so i you know i would just encourage fans i not that you know fans need to be lectured by me but um you know really just try to hang your hat on on the positives the the things that are just kind of remarkable the way they fight uh, through these injuries, the way they've improved on offense, um, don't get try not to get super frustrated by you know a bad shot by Bonton because those are going to happen. But um, you know, just sort of like kind of kind of be a little bit in awe of what what they're able to do with a roster that um, is severely depleted and you know maybe down towards the bottom of the conference in talent. Um, it, it truly is remarkable, and and we would not be seeing this under um, under another coach, uh, you know, particularly the the the, the previous coach. So basketball mm. um yeah uh official podcast of kyle smith fanboy that's right uh, we, hey for now like listen if this now. is still the case two years from now if this is where we're at two years from yeah. now then i'm we'll gonna be, be a little bit like eh, come on they'll be writing an article sure about how this just isn't <laughs> working like, i don't know this is not acceptable and then they'll immediately go and immediately run. turn it around but yeah, so you know, please, for, if this is happening in two yeah, years, yeah. write that article. But for a first year, like this is, I mean, this is what you want to see. You want to see immediate coaching improvement. You want to see a culture shift. Um, I mean, you literally want, you want to feel 70, future, so. 76 spots currently up in the Ken Palm rankings from and last that's after getting their butts kicked yeah. for a weekend. And that's with, I mean, you, he retooled the roster in about five minutes. Because, and then has lost four rotations. And has lost – and two of the guys are grad transfers he brought in specifically to play heavy minutes. Like, like it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And um, the backup to the grad transfer goes down. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bonkers. The whole thing is – you know, I mean – it's again, just, yeah, just remarkable, absolutely remarkable what what they are doing. The, the players deserve credit. The coaches deserve credit. 
it's it's a it's a it's a fun thing to watch. It's a fun thing to watch, and and I and think I, 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 I hope they the can future. get a, a get a winner too this weekend to kind of keep the fan momentum yes. going. A yes, yes, I think that would make a big uh, difference. You know, if you, momentum if you can win your home games, sports, that goes along with fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Win 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 the win the home games. Keep the students coming. Yep. That 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 gets those those uh, later home games later in the season. Uh, you know, uh, a little more crowded. That that game against UW, um, which will follow these. It'll be the very next weekend, and then and then actually they only have Cal and Stanford. But those are both games. Well, St- Cal in particular that um, they can definitely get, and so you'd want um, to get. But yep. yeah, you know. Um, these three straight home games, UCLA coming after, hopefully they can get, you know, three or four of these and, or, you know, two or three of wins out of these, but three or three of four would be great. Yep. And, and, and just, uh, um, kind of build some more excitement. Um, they're, they're current pre- currently projected for six, um, PAC 12 wins. If they can get to seven, uh, then they would have a winning record. Yep. Um, that would be really cool. <laughs> and they keep bouncing back and forth between six and seven. Well, they were at five, and then they won that Oregon-Oregon State. Yeah, and they went up to seven, and then after yeah. getting whipped, they've now dropped down to six. But So, yeah, if they could, if they could, uh, you know, of course, then they'd have to win a game in the Pac-12 tournament to ensure that. But but this is a team that can do that. But uh, 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 yeah, Are you I've... sure? I'm not sure any of our teams can win in the Pac-12 tournament. Actually, yeah, I know it's 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 actually illegal. Um, sorry, <laughs> sorry guys, against the rules. It's against Nevada law. It doesn't exist. Um, Cannot and, happen. And also Los Angeles law. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, let's take a break. We'll talk some beer. We'll talk some football. Yeah. And then we'll close this thing out. And we're back. Was that All creepy? Right. Yes. It's trying to be a little creepy. What you drinking, dude? Well, it was one of my favorite uh, events of the year this weekend, the uh, Holy Mountains anniversary party. Oh, I'll bet that um, was awesome. So uh, it is. It's it's really cool how they do it. Uh, basically, they do a tap list, special tap list, a ton of special beers. They have like one ke- keg that's... Um, all the barrel aged like stouts, barley wines, and stuff. And then when one blows, they put another crazy beer on. Um, so I got there at open, and uh, just like last year on Saturday, because they do it on Friday and Saturday. I can never make it on Friday because um, I don't live in Seattle. <laughs> um, yep. And uh, but uh, but I always go on Saturday. Um, and two years in a row their hand of glory barley wine is the opening barrel age one it's just fantastic and then i stayed for it's funny i I wasn't drinking much i just have so many friends that are in beer i don't see as much now because i don't go to as many shares and i don't go to as many events because i have a child and um i'm just tired all the time (laughs) amanda's be totally fine with me going to these things but Uh it's like uh, i just want to sit on my ass and do nothing yeah um but yeah, so I get to see um a lot of them and uh it's it's great. Uh it also didn't hurt that uh I had a friend whose birth friend who I'm going to, friends who are were going to Pullman with this weekend. Uh, it was her birthday on Friday night, so we were and we stayed at their house uh, f- for the 
um, expressed purpose to get shit faced. Um, <laughs> and, and so I didn't feel all that great on Saturday morning, but I was like, I'm doing this. I'm going to the Holy mountain party. Yeah. But I basically just, I stayed there for three hours and just got one, whatever barrel, whenever one barrel aged beer would kick. So I got 2018 midnight still after that. And then I got the special blended barrel aged beer that they made for the event, uh, that they had sold in bottles the day before, uh, just one per person. Um, which I didn't get, obviously, but I got to try it. I got to have a glass of it. And so basically I just, you know, had had three six-ounce pours. I uh, got to talk to a bunch of friends. It was a great event. Um, I did also pick up, they had a special IPA release on, uh, excuse me, on on Saturday, um, and a, a double IPA uh, hazy uh, called Primordial Sky. Um, pretty cool, uh, pretty nice uh, hazy IPA. Um, I, I tweeted it out, and I have to give them a shout-out um, cause I had, uh, one of our, uh, one of my followers, I don't know if he's a listener, but, uh, um, so Brandon white beer at beer with Brandon, um, gave me a cheers and go Cougs. Um, nice picture of, he's also drinking primordial sky, the same beer as me. Also, um, uh, a, uh, structures brewing beer called city of solace, nice. um, which is a great brewery up in Bellingham. Yep. Um, which would just be an insanely hyped brewery if it existed in Seattle. Um, it's still pretty hyped given that it's in Bellingham. But um, uh, so he gave me a nice, uh, sent me a nice picture. He's drinking both those beers. Uh, so yeah, go give a uh, beer with Brandon a follow. He says he's uh, growing a beer career in beer, Cicerone, which is not an easy thing to achieve. Uh, basically, it's a wine sommelier type thing, but it's not that easy. Um, but he says, go Cougs. Um, what I care how time, what, what care I, how time advances. I am drinking ale today. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe quote. So that's cool. He only has 17 followers. So give, give at beer with Brandon a follow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks Brandon for that uh, reply. Hopefully you also listen to the podcast cause you'll probably really like this part. Um, but yeah, so it's pretty, it's solid. Like Holy Mountain's not really known for their IPAs, but when they make them, they're bangers typically. Um, this one's very good. Um, it's got a cool, uh, label, uh, you know, as they typically do, uh, very heavy metal influenced, um, you know, uh, stuff you couldn't take to church, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, I actually I was wearing a Holy Mountain shirt on Friday and I was at Safeway checking out and, uh, this guy was like, what heavy metal band is that? Yeah. And I, was, I was like, uh, it's not, it's Holy Mountain. <laughs> it's a, it's a heavy metal, yeah. uh, uh, but it's like on their, um, on their, anniversary party they just straight up blare death metal yeah i highly recommend anybody who's never been to holy mountain that they should visit at some point uh, yeah just uh great beer across the board yeah. i'm also actually i'm actually currently drinking their three fates uh pilsner um because i've already finished that other beer yeah um i love this pilsner they release it like twice a year i just uh i just love it it's it's not the cheapest pilsner in the world but it's worth it it's so good um I think the thing it's I like the most about Holy Mountain is that they, their beers are unusual. Um, they tend to have you know just really unusual flavor profiles, notes, just, just the stuff that's like, you, you know, when you when you think I'm ordering this kind of beer, so I'm getting this kind of flavor. Um, they tend to do these, and I know I'm 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 not really talking to you because you obviously know all of this, but uh, you know, for people who have never been there. Uh, if you've ever maybe not felt, I don't know, like there are a lot of people who maybe aren't very adventurous with their beer. 
Um, Holy Mountain, I think, is a really cool place to go um, to try something different because they don't have or I mean, I mean, they do have. But a lot of their beers are not like crazy flavors. Like it's not like crazy wild out there stuff. Most of the right. stuff that they have tapped most of the time, it's just like just different. Like peanut butter and jelly, right? Whatever, right? We, and we've talked about you know pastry stouts and whatever on on the show. Um, that's not what they're doing. And what they are doing is okay. You go in there, you know, you try something, and and it's a little it's a little different, right? And and usually you know really excellent, um, and maybe just you know something different than what you would normally drink, and and you know maybe enjoy in a way that that you you know wouldn't normally enjoy your beer. It's, it's a really, it's a cool place. It can be a little intimidating. I, I'll, yes. I, I will say, uh, yeah. go in there because, you know, you probably won't recognize the beers. You may not recognize whatever the style is that it's labeled. Yeah. Uh, it's a very sort of, it's got a very, you know, just kind of death metal hipster vibe to it. Um, so it's, you know, the first time you go in there, you might be like, I'm not so sure about this, but, but the beer is great. And, uh, and it, it's a cool, it's a cool place. It's hard to find too. If you're not, yeah. if you're not really sure where you're, <laughs> where you're well, going. So it's in, Inner Bay, if you know uh, where the uh, that uh, driving range is yep. um, off Alley Bay, it's very yep. close to there. Um, park out back, a, yeah. Park park out back. Don't by the railroad. Park, park out back by the railroad tracks. Park, park up. That's one of the uh, fun qualities of it. It's by a railroad track and all this stuff. But yeah, I you know they, I tell you, I'm drinking the Three Fates. I love that they're they love making loggers. They make some absolutely crushable beautiful lagers um they uh i think saisons are really their jam yep um i agree those are my beautiful that's do. that's also the easiest to acquire of their beers like if you go to like a tacoma boys or uh you know any other uh beer store around seattle you can probably get the goat which is excellent yes. which i drank which i drank on clay day yep. last week i've had um, one of those um and or, you know things like that vesper which is like a 2.9 percent uh, table beer which is still delicious um, but one of my favorites from them is black beer it's just this four percent beer that they only make in the winter but it, it's it's a it's like a dark beer and it's only four percent but it's just uh, like insane flavor on that beer and it's just awesome like uh, i always try to we picked i picked up a couple of crawlers a couple weekends ago and amanda and i enjoyed those and um yeah i really like them i, I truly believe that they elevated the seattle beer scene um, they came around at the end of 2014, early 2015, and 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 I and I do think that they kind of showed um, the Seattle beer scene that it could be more like it, Seattle was known for having a lot of breweries, but they're all kind of doing the same thing. Um, but they showed they could make these weird beers, and you'd have lines, and people would show up and drink them, and even the prices are higher. It doesn't matter; people are buying them, um, and and I think you've seen. Uh, the breweries that existed and the breweries that have come up have just uh, had a had a higher standard um, for what they've made since Holy Mountain has been around. I think Fremont gets some credit for that as well. I'm not giving them all to Holy Mountain, but um, now there's just we have so many good breweries in Seattle and the Seattle area, um, you know, from Bellingham down to Olympia, and 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 it's just um, I, I think Holy Mountain deserves some credit for that and and. Uh, they, it was kind of funny. I was moving from, uh, Vermont when I first moved here, like I, I had all these hype breweries in Vermont that were like, you know, well-known. And, and I asked my buddy who was like really into, um, craft beer and trading across, you know, I was like, what's like the, you know, what, what, you know, like new upcoming breweries should I check out in Seattle? He didn't know. And then Holy Mountain. Um, I remember, I, I think I first had one of their beers at Collins pub before like a Sounders game. And, 
And I was like, holy shit, what is this? And I remember the first, next time I went to a Sanders game and made the point to go to their brewery. And then I just like fell in love and, and, uh, um, I wait in line for their beers and I, and I, it's just, you know, I, I, I have a ton of respect for what they do and they're, and they're good people as well. Um, so it's, that helps. And, um, actually one of my other, uh, favorite breweries, Floodland, uh, their, uh, brewer started at Holy Mountain. Uh, there was n- not an amicable breakup, but, uh, so you don't really mention the two, but <laughs> we're around <laughs> each other, but dude, but, beer, but say, beer feuds are the best feuds. That's for but, sure. But, but, but already, you know, that coaching tree is, has expanded right. and, and given us great things. Um, yeah, so Holy Mountain is great. I spent way more time talking about them. I thought yeah. I would. What are you drinking, Jeff? I am having uh, a beer from Level Beer in Portland. Ah, uh, yes. This is the uh, so it's a very timely beer. Uh, it, it fits in with uh, you know with you know since we've been on the air for, on the air we're not really on the air but you know what I mean since we've been recording shows for a year. Uh, this, this is back to our roots. On the here. bites. What's that? We're on the bites. Yeah. This is uh, this is a beer called Extremely Stable Genius. Oh God! <laughs> ah, getting back to our roots. This is the uh, this is the coastal elite segment of the of the beer part of the beer of the podcast. So uh, this says uh, I've negotiated a deal to bring you this amazing hazy beer. It's so good. It might be my greatest accomplishment, and it's not going to cost you a thing. Mexico is going to pay for it. Trust me. My brain is very very large. I have the best words. Hamburgers. I'm an extremely stable genius. Okay. Perfect. The can is fantastic. So they're they're uh, also not the only brewery to use Stable Genius. I'm sure they're not. I'm sure there are a lot of people trying to capitalize. It's very on common. That, so um, they do what I do like about. They Level know their is, audience, though, dude. I saw that in the in the cooler, and I was like, I don't even know what that tastes like, but I'm getting one of those. So um, I know I, I see the branding for this beer, but a lot of their beers have like video game branding and stuff like that. So, so. this does have some video game branding on it. Um, I see like the tie part, but oh no, that's so just it's the not the tie. There's genius. like some, uh, there's a oh, pin, no, there's a lapel like... pin, which is the dog from Duck Hunt. Oh yeah, okay. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the extremely labeled now. Yeah, and then there's yeah. uh, the shirt that's underneath oh, the God. coat. The, the is, lapel uh, pin on the right. Yeah, though. there's some, there's some Nintendo imagery there, and then uh, you know, a nice little pin of uh, of a, of a naked silhouette of the uh, extremely stable genius. So pretty good yeah like i said they know they know their audience they know their audience they made a few bucks off me for sure with this it's pretty good it's pretty good is it hazy yeah no that, well, you know me i'm a sucker for kind of hazy i'm just looking at pictures of it it looks like kind of <laughs> hazy it's not like a like a super hazy beer oh no wait it just depends on the pour i guess maybe Some of them look really hazy maybe i mean it's hazy for sure yeah I, yeah so it's weird. This one, the first picture I looked at was like, not. Nah, I think someone didn't actually know what they were drinking. Maybe that's off. entirely because all the other ones like, and I, I've got a picture I'll post to Twitter too. So, all right. Yeah. I don't know what else. Let's see. Oh, you potty trained. If we're going to get back to our roots, how'd the potty right. training go? It's, <laughs> it's, it's not it's going it's that not well, going huh? Well. It's not going well. <laughs> the first how long, day was how long did you let her run around without pants? Uh, I mean, we did the whole first day. She only like I, she figured out because she only peed a little bit on the floor twice. Okay, she peed in the toilet twice. Okay, so we're like That's we're making progress here. But today, she just absolutely refused to sit on the toilet. Oh, dude, 
kids are always going to let also, you know that they're actually in control. She has this thing like she she poops as soon as you put her down for a nap. Like it happens almost like clockwork at this point. So that's going to make it a challenge. That's because, amazing. Because uh, she just poops in her diaper. Because obviously we put the diaper on her when we put her down for a nap. Yeah, she likes a clean uh, diaper, man. Yeah, she ain't, and then she she ain't just, pooping in that dirty diaper. That's gross. But yeah, what I'm saying, like from, you know, as soon as we put the diaper on her, it's like she was holding it. So I think that she's learning to hold it because she is not peeing as much as she normally does. But she just refuses to go to the bathroom on the toilet. And then like we put, you know, we put some, it shows, she, she tells us when she's going to poop, but then we, do, can we go to the toilet? And she's like, no, like I will not. And then you try to put her on it and she freaks out and. Uh, we, we've tried to bribe her with stickers and stuff, and that worked a couple times, but she saw through <laughs> our game. It's, you know, having gone through this process three times, not with a girl, I, I, you know, obviously three boys, but um, the biggest thing I figured out was that they they will do it when they're ready and not a minute before that. Like there's, we talk ourselves into thinking we have a lot of control over this and the kids are just like, yo, I control when and where I soil myself. Now you basically just have to let them know it's an option. And so I'm trying to tell Amanda, it's like, yeah, but like you got to make them think like everything with kids, you got to make them think it's their choice. Amanda's best friend who has a a baby that's five weeks older than Amanda. And she's been potty trained for like months already. And so of course Amanda's like, we got to do this. We have to do it. You got to stay. You got to resist the parent competition. I'm just telling oh, I you. I know, I know, I know. And so Amanda had some time off. And so we're like, she's like, okay, we'll do it. But we already like, we were just trying to keep her rain in the kitchen. So she wouldn't like mess up everything else in the house. We're getting really bored of her sitting in the kitchen. She's bored of it. We're bored of it. Like everyone's bored of it. You know, like, you know, she has toys in there and she has, you know, the, you know, she can watch on Amanda's iPad. She can watch the, all the Disney plus movies she wants. And, it's still, it's just like, uh, this is so boring. Like yesterday was really boring and I was really grouchy by the end of the day. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's getting solved, uh, tomorrow by any means. Um, but we'll see. Uh, we, we just like, also we're just, and it's just like, she's got days off and she doesn't want to just sit at the house all day. Right. <laughs> she wants to go, but we can't like just take her out with no, uh, diaper on. So, yes, I know Oops. that, uh, you know, Sarah was concerned with, uh, with our youngest when he wasn't, uh, wasn't a particularly motivated to, uh, to, to use the toilet. And, and I just was, I was just telling her, I was like, you know, he's not going to kindergarten in diapers. Like it's just at some point he's going to be ready. And at some point it'll be done. And and I mean, and I really, really wanted it to be done. Like I had, you know, I, I people who have lots of kids, like I, I don't know how they do that because it's like, I, you know, I'd been changing diapers for basically like six years or something, seven years, pretty much consecutively. And so I was so, so ready to be done with it. And, uh, you know, but, but you can't, you you can't make them, you know, they're just, um, kids, kids will assert their control in, in various ways. Um, and they have this amazing sense of when and where they can do it. It's, you know, when they have a, you know, a meltdown in the grocery store, right? Like they know that there ain't shit you can do about that, that if they start screaming and they start putting on a show in the middle of the grocery store, I mean, what are you going to do? 
right? You're just like, my kid is screaming and you're just, you're just like, shh, shh, stop screaming. You know, it's like, everybody's looking at you and they're like, yeah, everybody's looking at us right now. Cause I'm screaming. Ha ha. You know, and you're just like, whatever. You just end up throwing your hands up. Cause you know, you can't, you can't make them stop. Right. You can't, Hey, stop screaming. You know I mean? Anyway. So kids, kids have this amazing way of just sort of knowing, uh, what, what's in their control. And, and I, 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 you know, depending on the kid, I, I think some kids just really with the potty training, they're just like, nah, nah, I know that you want this and I'm not going to give it to you. And so you just, you wait, you know? Yeah. She was doing this thing today where she'd be like, I'll, I'll go to the potty. And she, she'd like walk into the bathroom, like, Pull the step up to the potty. We'd help her get on the potty. Uh-huh. And then she would immediately say, nope, I'm done. And like get <laughs> off. And like, she, she's like, running I, you guys around like a couple of monkeys. <laughs> she's just like, nope, I'm done. And you're like, the fuck? Use the toilet. You know, and she's just like, <laughs> does she laugh when she does it? No, she's mad. Oh, she's like, mad. She acts, she acts really mad. Like, oh. how dare you put me on the toilet? It's like, what? You just asked me to do this. <laughs> you asked for this. Uh, that's too funny. She might be a psychopath. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, we've already established she might be a nihilist, so. Yeah, she's a nihilist, psychopath. I don't know. She's just she's sitting on the toilet thinking, does any of this actually matter? Does it actually matter if I pee or poop on the floor? Like, does it really matter? I don't know. It does to me. <laughs> she's, she's like, I mean, you know, if I if I shit in my pants, you're going to change the diaper. So, I mean, this is pretty good life, actually. I don't have to worry about it at all. <laughs> what a good life. It'll never I know. It'll never be better than that. It's true. It's absolutely true. All right. Anything else? I don't know. Good job, Anthony Gordon at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, that was great. That was fun to see. He only got the one quarter, and he got robbed of the MVP, but, you know, whatever. Good for him. I think he opened some eyes. Yeah, that's good. Something, by the way, I don't know if you if you thought this. I, I did. Where did this idea come from that his arm is extremely average? I have no idea. Like, it's... Like, I don't think he has a cannon, but, like... Like, he's I mean, not he's, Luke Falk. And he's definitely better armed than Gardner Minshew. Yeah. At least at least like, I think he does. Like, I always had the, like, I don't know. Like, sometimes I wonder. Like, we, we talk about arm strength, and I don't know. Unless, like, a guy's arm, like, really pops off the screen like a, like a, like a Jacob Eason, right? Like, you watch that guy throw, and you're like, okay, that's a cannon. Right? Like, that, like that is an absolute cannon. But everything else, it just sort of feels like, I mean, I don't know. How often does a quarterback maybe, just rip it? Maybe Gordon's quick release kind of makes you makes it feel like maybe it's got more heat behind it. Maybe because I don't the know. ball just comes out so quickly he can fit it into tighter spots. I don't, I don't know. But he made that you know the th- throw r- roll to his right yeah. and it being technically incomplete. But it he was rolling to his left. Re- he was going to his hit, left. Throwing yeah, across sorry, his, his body. left. And he, and he hits and he hits the hits the receiver in the back of the end zone. He just doesn't get his feet down. Yeah, and, so you know weird. an NFL player probably gets their feet down but uh um yeah and he made you know even just that the touchdown pass that he had when he rolled to his right and fade away drops it in the bucket like it's you know it's, i don't know we saw him 
throw some darts this year. So I don't know. I, I guess I maybe we just uh, don't have the five star dudes come in with just the the cannons. I mean, you know, I don't know. And, and so we're we, maybe we maybe we watch we watch Falk and then Minshew, and so we're just like used to you know the accurate but not strong arm guys. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I felt like he was pretty close to Connor Holiday level of uh, of uh, cannon, but yeah. uh, maybe even maybe even we thought Connor Holiday was better arm wise than he actually was. I don't know. Um, But he made some really nice throws. I mean, and and not just like uh, he made the kind of throws you don't see a lot of times in that game because guys aren't used to playing with each other. Right. And so the anticipatory throws, finding windows, things like that, you know, aren't super easy for quarterbacks to do. I mean, if, if you watched, I don't know how many people actually watched that game, but I watched uh, pretty much the second half. And watched uh, Steven Montez, you know, flail around for a while. Uh, Shocking. Yeah, and watched, you know, Shea Patterson flail around for a while. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Gordon, I did not see Herbert's quarter, so I can't I can't speak to that. But um, The MVP. Yeah, the MVP, Justin Herbert, of course. But, you know, watching Gordon against, you know, the other guys I saw, you know, I saw Jalen Hurts back there play, you know, pretty much the whole fourth quarter. Um you know, Gordon easily looked the most in command, the most polished. Um, you know, it's not like he made these these like these killer throws, but he but he made these throws, like I said, anticipatory throws, throwing guys open, um, you know, didn't take a sack. I don't think if I remember right, maybe he had one. I, I don't know. Anyway, um, didn't really take a sack, moved around in the pocket. Well, uh, made some throws when he was moving. Uh, one of the touchdowns was a throw while he was rolling to his right and kind of falling down. Uh, and then, of course, you mentioned the one throw to the left where he was rolling to his left and kind of threw across his body, um, nearly had a touchdown there. So, yeah, he he definitely looked uh, as good as you would want to look in that game. I hope it helps him. I don't know how much it helps, but I hope it helps him. Um, and I hope he, you know, I hope he gets a reasonable, reasonable draft shot. I mean, nobody's going to draft him as a starter, but, um, you know, you, as Gardner Minshew showed, if you can – get in the right spot you know you can you can carve out a nice little niche for yourself and and potentially get an opportunity yeah i think you'll get drafted and yeah he's definitely gonna get drafted yeah just so i think I, a matter of how drafted. high yeah i'm thinking yeah, fourth so or fifth round that would be that'd be great it would be great like, yeah because yeah because uh um you know because gardner was early sixth and falk was in uh, the sixth fox was in the, falk was in the sixth so um, that'd be three straight WC starting quarterbacks get drafted. Yeah, that would that's, be cool. That's good for optics. Yep. Um, especially since uh, none of them were highly regarded out of any sort of uh, you know anything. Yeah. Um, obviously, Mike Leach is not here anymore, but <laughs> but <laughs> and, uh, you know what? Uh, something to do with that, but but whatever. Um, we'll, we'll be slinging it still. Um, yeah. But yeah, so. Uh, I met Rolo briefly uh, the other uh, the other day. Yeah, you um, went to at, went to one of the events we talked about last week. I, I went to Marco Polo the day after mm. we recorded that podcast. Uh, I was hoping he would do Marco Polo because it's in South Seattle, so it's a little, a little easier for me to get to. Um, and so it was about nine, and I, I saw him post that, and I was like, "Amanda, I'm going." And she's like, "What?" And I'm like, "Yep, I'm driving." To See you later. Uh, so I went up there and. Uh, uh, I met him very briefly. I, I told him about the blog and the uh, whatever, of course. And 
uh, me and uh, Nick, another guy that writes for us, took a picture with him. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that's all I wanted. I actually went, I didn't get it. I got there first time I, for, at first when I got there, they were taking a big group picture of everyone there. So they're like, go take a picture. And then I was waiting around to say hi to Rolo. And, and then, then he left. And I was talking to some friends after that. And then, then he left. And then, uh, did so he I just sneak out, on... out? Was he just like, uh... no, you know, oh, everyone okay. knew he right. was leaving. Like it, it, he kept, he was telling, like he came up to us. He's like, well, I'm on my way out. You know, I got, you know, we got, you know, recruiting to do and stuff, whatever. And, but, um, but yeah, so yeah, I, you know, I, uh, so I missed out on the free beer because, uh, uh, he had already left and closed. The <laughs> he had already paid the tab. Yeah. That's bad time. But, but yeah, so, but that's okay. Uh, it was cool. I say hi to him um he also uh for uh for another friend um um who we mentioned on the podcast before that the, their uh their uh cousin who was deciding for between who's lives in colorado but his parents are cougs deciding between uh cu boulder and uh and wsu and had recently chosen wsu and so uh he recorded a video to say like see you in the in the fall oh that's them. awesome so that was pretty cool that's cool um, yeah. So anyways, yeah, it seems like, you know, it's cool. He did that stuff. Like uh, he kept saying he's got to leave, but he, anyone who would come up to him and wanted to talk to him, he, he would talk before he left. So, um, that was pretty cool. That is cool. Um, but yeah, I didn't get, but I didn't get much, um, uh, in FaceTime or didn't he, I wasn't really, he was probably there for about 15 minutes when I was there. Uh, so it wasn't much, but, uh, but yeah, so yeah, Marco Polo in Seattle. Uh, it's a Cougon bar. It's in Georgetown. If you ever want to go, uh, it's a cool little bar. They have uh, their uh, they have a, they do their emulation of Cougar Country fry sauce. So um, definitely worth a winner. It, always worth it. Always worth a, a shot. Yeah. Uh, they have a Cougar Gold cheeseburger, which I've had before, which is delicious as mm. well. Um, but yeah, so that was cool. Um, yeah, so. Uh, signing day next week so i guess we can talk more about that then yeah that's gonna be interesting we they had a bunch of official visits this weekend but no uh no commitments out of that yet so yeah it's kind of interesting we shall see normally you would hear about and they've probably got what have they got seven or eight spots so yeah i think they have eight yeah Yeah. so quite a bit quite a bit of work to do to, to finish that guy up and probably uh probably a major benefit to us that there was an early signing period and that uh and i know they they already let one guy out of his uh out of his letter uh, a wide receiver from uh from where is he from texas something like that anyway yeah i think anyway yeah so all those other guys stuck though and that's good and so we'll uh you know we'll see what they're able to piece together there i know they're going after a four-star in-state kid who's uh committed to arizona He's cornerback, so we'll see about that. Yeah, we talked about him last week. Yeah, so hopefully, hopefully, some of this stuff kind of comes through. Um, but I don't know. They they yeah. may leave a couple spots open. It wouldn't shock me if they left a couple spots open to to take a couple of a couple of JUCOs or maybe even grad yeah, transfers uh, at the end. So, yeah. Yeah, man. All right. Well, so yeah. Hopefully, well, next week it'll be. We'll probably record it before, but. uh so hopefully we'll have some commitments by then. Yeah, maybe we'll do not, a special we'll, uh, we'll, edition. Maybe we will. After signing day. Signing day doesn't feel that special anymore. That's true. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. All right, man. Go Kooks, Craig.
Go Cougs.